On this week's episode of Circles Off, it's another Q&A episode. You have questions, we have answers. We're going to dive into a bunch of topics, all that and more. This week's episode of Circles Off starts now. Come on, let's go! Welcome to Circles Off, episode number 96. You're on the Circles Off YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network. Rob Pizzola, joined as always by Johnny from Betstamp. Episode number 96. Who do we have today, Rob? So, Miko Rantanen in the NHL wears 96 right now. I'd argue he's probably the most underrated player in the entire league. Oh, isn't he a top three Not pick? Not Barkov? <laughs> he's a top three pick. He is. He he's he's let's say like he's not viewed in the same light as Nathan McKinnon for the. Is he as good? Yeah, fair enough. He's a he's a big bomb banger. My favorite '96 jersey, the old Vancouver Canucks beauty, black, orange, red, yellow. Pavel Bure '96. Pavel Bure wore it for a few years for sure. Um, I don't know how this happens all the time, but every single time I look up an NBA like NBA jerseys number '96, did Meta World Peace change his jersey like every single year was he 96 houston he's the only nba player ever to wear 96 i think he might have just did on purpose honestly he might have done that meta world peace for the houston rockets in 2009 number 96 or 96 did not know that it's not a popular number once you get into these higher 90s it seems like more it's more niche more niche fair enough today is our question and answer episode but before that, Rob has a quick announcement here. March Madness is officially over. We did a bracket challenge. We said we were going to toss out some merch. Rob, how did we do? Well, I did okay. I actually thought I was going to be... The people that are following Circles Off here did a really good job with these brackets. Uh, I finished in the 90th percentile with the bracket that I filled out. And I finished in 29th in the pool that we put on. Our top hammer creators... If this, is, if this isn't a plug for Hit the Books on the Hammer Betting Network, I don't know what is. Brad Powers had a 97th percentile bracket. John Fendler, who we had on Circles Off a couple months back, 94th percentile bracket. Pretty glowing endorsement for Hit the Books. But three people that entered had UConn winning it all. All of you are eligible for some bet stamp swag as promised. So all you got to do is hit us up on Twitter, Circles Off HQ. Hit the DMs. We'll get your information. We'll send you out the swag. But credit to this guy who finished in first. Jacko's Hammer Bracket. 1,170 points. 99.9th percentile. Where did he rank amongst all ESPN? I don't know. I can't see like the full leaderboard because I didn't enter myself. Click. Where can we see that potentially, Zach, on here? Leaderboard Just leaderboard maybe. maybe. So he got one one seventy hit leaderboard, like that is absurdly good. Oh, there was a guy who got sixteen hundred. I don't I don't know exactly how the scoring system works. Okay, so there is a hundredth percentile here. Yes, which doesn't really exist in real life, but yeah, it's a li- it's a little bit weird how they did that. But oh my god, regardless, well, there's a lot. There's so there's yeah, so there's, many there's entries. so many entries. It's like here, an absurd yeah. amount of entries. Yeah. So Jacko's hammer bracket number one, Vinny Chase. Number two, 99.6th percentile. What a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Vinny Chase, great name also. Great character. And then uh, Chachi goes left. 99.4th percentile. I don't know what that's in reference to. Congrats to all the winners. We got to give Pozzola a pat on the back here, as well as myself a little bit. In our March Madness preview episode, 
All right. Now, would we be mentioning this if they didn't win the tournament? Absolutely not. I but, didn't even remember this, by the way. Off, We were discussing this off air before we started. So I don't even know if the, this is true. One of the pieces of advice that we did give out, you can look back to the episode, was you want to pick if you're in a big enough bracket style. You know, if you're in a bracket that's got, you know, 100 to 500,000 people, you want to take a team that is not a number one seed. But in theory, you want you don't want a team that can't win the tournament as a low likelihood. So what we actually touted was a good value for this year would be a team like a UConn that's a four seed, meaning a lot of recreational people may not pick them to win. They're a four seed. However, they were priced a little bit higher than that. Yep. How did we know that? How did we know they were priced higher? We took a look at Pinnacle Sportsbook. Pinnacle, the world's sharpest sportsbook, now available to bettors in Ontario. Find out what professional bettors have known for decades. Pinnacle is where the best bettors play. You must be 19 plus not available to U.S. residents. And of course, as always, don't forget about this. Please gamble responsibly. But we did look at the pinnacle odds. I mean, listen, pe- when people are like, oh, I want to be contrarian in sports betting a-, a lot of times, they don't really even know what that means. Like people think being contrarian is, let me look up the public bet percentages on this website and, and fade the public. There's ways to be contrarian in a smart manner where you can gain an edge. Now, of course, I'm the idiot that picked Alabama in my bracket to, to go far instead of UConn. I figured after I touted it on the show, you know, a lot of people were going <laughs> to were gonna go UConn and I had to get off it. But there are ways to be contrarian in sports betting. Today's a Q&A episode. We haven't done one in a long time. For those who want to ask questions in the future, we always send out a tweet on Twitter. Make sure you're following us at Circles Off HQ on Twitter. We also post it to the community page on our YouTube channel as well. If you're subscribed, you'll see it in your feed. You can ask us questions. And if you're not subscribed right now, I don't know what the hell you're doing. It's been 96 episodes. Hit the subscribe button. If you like the content, hit the like button. That allows us to keep doing these episodes over and over and over. I know real Frank Costanza out there, you're not subscribed, but you listen every week. Thank you for the support, but just hit the subscribe button. You don't have to be a, you don't have to be an ass and like this this tough guy on the outside. You can just hit the subscribe and support us. So, I'm going to run through the questions as we normally do. Um, as always, if you have a question, you don't have to wait till the Q&A episodes. You can you can just send it in any time. Um, and also, we got a lot of amazing guest suggestion last time, mm-hmm. guest suggestions, and we're actually working on and I've locked down a couple interesting guests over the next couple of weeks, so we appreciate those suggestions. Keep them coming. Barry Horse episode that we released. Unbelievable feedback. Thank you, everybody, for your support and listening, and there's going to be plenty more where those come from. Uh, starting off the Q&A, we got the Rob section. Which always, is, section. which always is a typical favorite. A lot of people ask a lot of questions. They want to know about Rob's life. Number one, we'll start off on the lighter note. I've ordered these, hopefully in a, a sequential order that makes <laughs> In one interview, Rob said that he had to work for a mob bookie because he owed them a lot. Did they strongly imply that his fingers may be broken if he doesn't work there? Did he work there still after his debt was paid off? Uh, okay. So first of all, the definition of like owing them a lot changes over time because when I was young, I couldn't pay off 800 bucks because I was a teenager. I was like grade 11 high school. I worked a minimum wage job commission at sport check. You know, I had bills, credit card debt, 
stuff like that. So 800 bucks, like that's the perspective of that. But essentially what I did- Wait, Is that how much you owed 800 bucks? I literally owed 800 bucks. You could have made that back from sport check? Yeah, I could have. It would have taken me a while, but like, like I had other weeks. debts too. <laughs> yeah. For the, for the US listeners, sport so check is a retail the sporting goods equivalent. Yeah, exactly. I had a blast working in sport check, but remember like back at that minimum wage at that time was like eight bucks, something like that. I was maybe making $10 an hour and I wasn't working a ton of hours. And it's not like I could just go and be like, oh, put schedule me for 40. I was a part-time employee. I was in school. So what I did is the classic move that I'm not proud of. I totally hate this nowadays, but I just stopped answering phone calls and texts and dodging the guy that I owed money to. And months went by. And unfortunately, he saw my car parked at a buddy's house in the neighborhood that was near him. And uh, we were playing poker in the garage. Somebody just strolled up behind me, tapped me on the shoulder. And he's like, hey, been trying to get a hold of you. Uh, you know, you want to go have a chat? And I was like, okay, let's go have a chat or whatever. And uh, listen, I mean, I'm like a 16, 17-year-old kid. Really, the guy I'm dealing with is like 22, 23. But when you're dealing with someone that's your elder, you're like, you're scared. Like, I owe money to these guys. I don't know who, what's going on. And the agreement that we made was that I was just going to be a runner. I was, I was going to do collections for the book until I could pay off my debt. So that's essentially what happened. Wasn't super, th- is not, this is not like this threatening story of like, oh, I went down into like the basement of some area and there was like a guy cracking his knuckles and like, no, it was just like, I couldn't pay a debt. They expected the money. They're not going to let me off the hook for 800 bucks, whatever. Sure. Um, honestly, good life experience. I don't suggest everybody go out and try to lose money and gamble responsibly, like I mentioned earlier, but it teaches you a lot of things about the industry, how things run when you're an agent and you can like log into accounts and see what's going on and like very clearly identify, oh, this guy's losing all the time and he's parlaying all these games, you start to like learn like what not to do about certain tendencies. So whatever it was shameful point in my life. Thank you to whoever asked this question. I always love reliving these moments. My current wife paid off my $800 debt. She was my girlfriend at the time. Wow. Wow. Quickly. And then I like, and then I worked the rest of it afterwards. I'm like, Oh, I can make some money running here. And then did that for like one or two years. My, my life story is okay. Well, dark. it's dark. Interesting, interesting <laughs> stuff. I already knew that story, but we're uh, glad to have answered that on the air. So it seems like his fingers were not in jeopardy. No, no. It, chopped off. Listen, if I didn't pay this, nothing was li- li- like in hindsight, Literally nothing. Yeah, it was would only eight hundred bucks. I mean, potentially the listeners thought it would. It was a lot more. No, that's what I'm saying. Like for me, I'm I'm dead serious. Like here, we, like I'm gonna get the comments. Oh, like Rob Pizzola is a poor or whatever, and this and that. <laughs> like, I would never ever go to my parents for that type of money because I'd be totally ashamed to do that. Like it's just like one of those tail. We'll give it your, to you, but then you'll be in more trouble anyways. <laughs> it's not worth it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's not worth it for that type of thing. And I like. I, I grew up, my, my father did well for himself as like someone who had parents that immigrated to Canada with nothing, like quite literally nothing and had to, to work like real hard labor jobs. Both my grandparents, 
my father became an accountant, did really well to, to like, we had a, I had a good upbringing. Let's put it that way. Right. But I wasn't a spoiled kid. Like he, he really taught me the value of certain things. Right. And I, I wouldn't go to him in a jam like that because I just wanted to like, I had to deal with that. Like I always knew that I would have to deal with that. Like, of course, if I went to my parents, they'd pay off 800 bucks or whatever, but it was like, no, they were like, you know, wanted me to learn the ropes for myself through experience, got into some trouble. It worked out. Okay. Figured it out. But I, I don't, wouldn't trade any of my life experiences for anything really. And that's how he met his wife. So it was all, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Up next. What's up, Rob? No, here we go. What <laughs> starts with what's up, Rob? What's up, Rob? You mentioned in a previous episode that you used to be a successful MLB better, but lost your edge. How did it come to that realization? Did the market stop respecting that action or was it based on your results over a large sample size? Genuinely intrigued. Thanks, Rob. You're a big inspiration to me as a better. No, I made that last part up. <laughs> Everyone who's watching on YouTube can see on the screen. The <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um, yeah, so it was mostly based on results over a larger sample size. So I think part of it was maybe arrogance at first. Like when you go back, when I go back and I look at my previous like tweets, my life, the way I carried myself, even like six or seven years ago, it's almost embarrassing. I think a lot of people feel this way about themselves in general, where you think you know it all and you don't. It wasn't really as dumb as it sounds. I don't think it was really as that hard to beat MLB when I was beating MLB. It wasn't a the, the old fan graph steamer zips. Yeah, it wasn't a super competitive market. Like if you had a decent math background and some understanding of baseball and like some understanding of the market, you could have success. And I surrounded myself with like some very smart people who taught me a lot about things. Seville guys won't like the, that I say this, you know, rest in peace to Groovin, but I used to chat with him pretty much every day and learned a ton from him. Uh, there was another guy on Twitter that I had a falling out with that, that went by Dale Doback on Twitter who, yeah, um, who I, I had like a good relationship with. We used to chat baseball every day and you just learn from these people. But at the end of the day, like over time, you have to be real with yourself and results. And like a year went by and just like not winning anymore, not getting the closing line value that I once was. And at that point, you have like this self-reflection moment of do I continue to do this? There's this, you know, skepticism, this lack of confidence, or like, do I really have it in myself to put in the time that it's going to take to overcome this, right? Build out my own projection set that I think is super strong. And frankly, I just didn't have it in me to do the latter. So um, I think it's a combo of these things. Like when he says that the market stopped respecting that action, I was getting less closing line value for sure. And was it based on results? Absolutely. Like the last season that I bet baseball, seriously, I lost money in the over the duration of the entire season. You just had to call it a day. I mean, some people would continue going, right? We know, I know of people that bet professionally and they'll have a losing baseball season 
and they'll just chalk it up to variance or be like, uh, you know, we didn't account for the ball in the first month and a half of the year. We had some really bad results coming out of the hole, whatever. But I'm a realist. I don't like losing money. I like winning money. And if I'm not confident in what I'm doing, then I'm not going to go down that path anymore. Well, there's something else with baseball too, given that it's like, you know, dead heat of the summer. If you are actually grinding baseball every single day, which is a true grind, and you're on every single day, and then you lose money at the end of the season, it's hard to get back next year on baseball. 100%. Given like, you, you, are, you are quite literally, like, when you're gambling, trying to earn money, working a job that you don't get paid for unless you get the results. And if you work an entire summer, think about how pissed you'd be. If you work an entire summer, you lost money. Could have enjoyed the summer. No, couldn't. Worked the whole time, grinded every day. At the end, not only did you not get paid, but you had negative money in your bank account. So in my opinion, I, I, I won at baseball for several years. Um, there was like an email group I used to send out baseball picks to as well of people that just tail the action or whatever. I was a small, small timer at that point, like betting a few thousand bucks, but nothing, nothing you know, serious per game. But in baseball, this will sound odd. Some might disagree. This is just my own personal perspective. There's really like 20 pitchers over the course of a year that are going to make or break your season where I think you're going to have a different opinion on this subset of like 20 guys, let's say, might be even less than that, 15 to 20 guys where you're like, no, this guy is way better than the market gives him credit for, or this guy is way worse. And there's some seasons that go by and you're like, haha, like laughing it up, right? You're like, no, this guy's, you know, Marco Estrada used to pitch for the Blue Jays, right? Marco Estrada, when he was, had these seasons where he had really low ERAs, his peripheral metrics were bad. FIP, everything Barry Horst talked about. FIP, XFIP, Sierra. He's not a strikeout guy, but he induced a ton of weak contact. And when you're watching Blue Jays games, at least I was watching a ton, it's like, this guy's never going to get lit up because he has a really good changeup that works down and away. And all this contact is soft contact. But all the projection systems that are in the public market pit place all hate Marco Estrada because oh, he doesn't miss bats. He's not going to strike guys out, putting the ball in play. He's getting lucky. Well, I took the opinion that he wasn't getting lucky. I would bet I bet him for like an entire season and made a killing off of his starts. So you get to that point. But then what happens when you start losing on those opinions? You lose your, you completely lose your confidence. You don't know if it's variance or not. Betting is so much more like when, when you're originating, and there's tons of approaches to betting, obviously, there is a legitimate confidence factor that for me, personally, I can struggle with at times. And with baseball, it did get to the point of, maybe I still did have an edge, but I didn't feel like I did. Or wasn't comfortable enough to bet that amount of money. Or it wasn't enough to overcome the work that you'd put in and it sure. wouldn't have been worth it. Because, okay. I mean, my partners were encouraging me to keep going at that time. They're like, no, no, this stuff's good. We got unlucky last year. I didn't feel like it. Yeah, fair enough. Why did you not push back as much on Barry Horse as you would have if Fezzik said the same thing re-markets? Oh. Is the bell curve meme... It is... Is it, it the bell curve meme in real life? Okay, sorry. So the bell curve meme, I was just trying to figure out what you meant by that, is that meme that says, CLV doesn't matter. I'll beat the market. And that's at the, the lowest level of IQ. And then at the highest level of IQ, it's the same thing. And in the middle, everyone cares about CLV. Yes. So yeah, I guess, um, you know, you call it what you want. I, I wouldn't necessarily think that 
uh, Fezzik is at the lower IQ. Probably he's on the other end of the spectrum. He's actually really good with uh, with numbers and mathematics, for, uh, better than me for sure, and better than probably almost all the listeners. So wouldn't say it's that at all in terms of Fezzik, by the way. Not that I'm trying to defend his process or anything like that, but the main thing here is with Barry Horse in the market, we wanted to have a good conversation. I don't think we had, we had so much to get to that I don't necessarily think that you know, it was worth the time to spend basically being like, well, the market is efficient. And for the most part, he did uh, mention that it was efficient to a certain point. It's just, and it was the most efficient thing we have, but it's just not correct. And exactly. I do believe that, by the way. The efficient market hypothesis states that at any given time, the current market is the most efficient thing we do have, but it doesn't say it's correct. And that is why you cannot just true Kelly stake and expect to never go bust in sports betting. He exactly. So like, you know, I, I actually, I, I barely ever do this with circles off. Obviously that interview was a little bit more, um, I don't even know how to term this, but like it was definitely at a, an intellectual level up here. Like obviously Barry Horse is a very smart person, right? Um, and in conducting that interview, I went and I listened back to it afterwards. It was like, there anything that I missed or whatever. But that particular part, he was basically saying, you know, that the closing line is wrong, which he's right about. But it, it doesn't mean that it's useless or not predictive in any way, right? And you can you can take that however you want to take that. In terms of doing interviews, though, like I don't have an agenda when I go into an interview. I, I, I'm speaking for myself and not Johnny, but I started. <laughs> well, do I have agendas? I, I'm just saying I have, I have no clue. I, 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 I don't Johnny want. Johnny says to us before he comes in here. I'm going to fucking flame this yeah, guy. Like, fucking this guy on blast. Yeah, this guy. Anyways, I don't have an agenda, right? Now, I try to, I try to just ask questions that I think people are going to want to hear about. Like, I don't like asking stuff that people already know to put like lobbing softballs up on a, on a platter. You know, I have a very specific style when it comes to pushing back on someone, you can do that, but like we're having guests on because we want to hear their perspective. And there is times where definitely we'll push back. The Fezzik interview was an example of you pushing back on Fezzik, right? I've had disagreements with people on this show, including Matthew Trenhale from Pinnacle, when we talked to him about public betting percentages and stuff like that. If it's worth pushing back on, I will. But like, I don't want it to be this counterintuitive like state of argument perpetually with guests. That's 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 not good for anyone, really. No, definitely not. But, but by the way, what what we mean when we say that the closing line is is not correct is basically, let's say you go flip a coin a thousand times or sorry a thousand is not even enough but one brazilian times infinite times yeah. infinite amount of times it should net out 50 50 if you uh, play the same football game a bazillion times then the home team is not going to win by three that's not going to happen like that's not going to be the most likely outcome it will probably be something else because that is not the actual fixed odds for it it's just what we think it is yep so because of that, we don't really know our edge and you have to attempt to quantify it. And that's why Barry Horse is saying the market's wrong and you could easily have a 10% edge, which you can. But to have that consistently is kind of where we disagree. But anyways, next question here. What is one skill you wish you had from your fellow co-hosts? Include Zach as well, please. This isn't a skill, but I wish I had Zach's hair. For one. <laughs> that's a good Thanks, one. Rob. Same here. 
That's what I mean. That believe it or not, you you we've only known each other for what three, four years, right? Probably yeah, yeah, five yeah. years maybe. I don't know. Somewhere around there, four. I'm horrible with time. Anyways, believe it or not, when I was his age, that's what my hair looked like. You would never know it. This is what sport. This is what sports betting <laughs> at a high level will do to you. Fair enough. Can we get uh, uh, people to comment here? Uh, if Rob were to shave his head completely bald, here we go. Messy. Would his would his hair grow back the exact same it is right now? We've. We I ha- say no. I say it'd be a lot thinner. I actually don't know enough to argue this, but there was uh, someone, Mark, in the office who was very adamant that it would it would just be. Oh, there's some dead follicles on there that he ain't be getting like, back. Uh, Seinfeld. It, Remember well, when that, Elaine's boyfriend shaves his head and doesn't, then doesn't grow back? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's true. I, I I I don't know. So okay, but go. Let's answer it for real then, Rob. Um. Okay. So. Uh, I don't know. I don't want any of your ability. Can't can't think can't <laughs> think of a single thing. Uh no. So here here's the thing. For me, I'm very much uh, to a fault. Maybe very data driven in terms of like decision making, and oftentimes. I would be better off just trusting my gut and acting on something quickly rather than processing all the information available to me. I think you do that really well. So at times I wish I was able to make decisions in the manner that you do and just like have the the self-confidence to be able to do that rather than needing to process everything. Because if I think about things that have like gone by the wayside in my life, it's stuff where the opportunity was there for me to take advantage of it but I took too long to act on that. So that's probably the characteristic from you. For Zach, I don't know Zach well enough. I, I, I don't. What am I, gonna, what am I gonna take from Zach? If, you're, if we're talking like not a mental skill and just like an, a physical like um, stuff that you could actually learn that, that we already know, like obviously to take Zach's like ability to edit videos. Of like course, that, I, I would that, do that but, in a split second, but like we can learn that. Yeah, but we don't. We don't I know. I, I mean, now with all the AI, I mean, I don't even have to create. You get artificial intelligence YouTube thumbnails now. Yeah. I don't even know if Zach's position might be obsolete in three months. We're going to have a computer behind the desk. They'll- Zach does a great job on the podcast, but the podcast I know isn't like the most, like it's, you're not showcasing your full skill set by editing a podcast. You could actually edit like real videos and stuff like that. So maybe if I had Zach's, editing skills i would have cut a sick hockey highlight tape myself <laughs> sent it around i've been playing d1 college puck back in the day maybe but who knows uh from rob i would say if i had to take one skill from him and i'll more relate it to betting and stuff just because it's easier but I, I would say like just the uh, the analytical skills on a lot of the things rob's like super good with like a big data set getting into the weeds where for me i just like it's not i wouldn't say it's a uh, for lack of trying, I just don't necessarily have the patience to like take a look at that and like build over a, a long period of time. As you mentioned, even though I'd be more of like a go, go, go type thing. And I'd rather focus more on like execution and planning as opposed to like, ah, oh, let me like actually figure out with this big MLB data set, like <laughs> what the, the, what like the actual projected stolen base impact is going to be this season. Right. Yeah. I'm pretty good at that. Like applying logic and working with data sets. Um, one of the, the things that you mentioned there is probably what I would take from Zach. Um, I'm, I can be very impatient at times and he is very patient as a person. I can say that as someone who's been 
you know, he gets down to the studio here. He waits for me to make my coffee. I go up and make another coffee. We, we mess around for like half an hour before recording. He's got like a million things to produce. Like gets himself a water bottle, comes down. I say, Hey, is that for me? (laughs) He throws it to me, go grabs himself another water bottle. (laughs) So definitely his patience, uh, is something that I don't have. And, uh, I would like to, honestly, I would like if things didn't, you know, bother me as much as they do. I got, I got some. Oh, Oh. let's go with Zach. Sorry. Uh, We forgot for Zach. Male bonding moment right here. Uh, for Rob, I think, especially considering what I'm in doing right now is the networking ability, ability to kind of, uh, have connections in all the different sports, different aspects. It's not just people who are, uh, betters. It's people who are insiders or in media or in marketing and stuff and being able to connect with those people. That's something that I could use as a skill, especially as a producer, trying to continue to add. And, uh, for Johnny, I know we like joke about it, but I don't know if it's like a skill, but like a trait is uh, self-confidence. Like, Dude, to be able to just say, like, I could fucking build an F1 car like that. Like, <laughs> I know we joke about it, but, like, to have that confidence and actually he's not doing a bit. Like, he's actually certain that he can do that. Uh, there's things in my life that I've done um, that a lot of it came from just being like, all right, I'll put myself out there and do this. But some of it took, like, a lot of building up to get to. And I think that maybe I might have missed out on some earlier opportunities had I had that self-confidence to jump into it uh right away had it come up like in that moment rather than take the time to be like oh maybe 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 and then wait and then do it so self-confidence i think all right fair enough so uh you can't build the f1 car though we're not gonna get into this (laughs) i can build it's good to have self-confidence but there's times where people are insane i could build the f1 car all right anyways but i could for sure build the f1 car like (laughs) i could build the f1 car like this is not even a hard thing i could if we're if we really want to go we can go more extreme well now that now i can do the the conversation is different now and by the way it wasn't that i could build the f1 car that wasn't even the question it was was, no i I didn't want it yeah i know (laughs) that but but also remember at that time you wouldn't have had chat gpt to help you (laughs) and now you do so it's very different like it's becoming more possible nowadays. We'll, we'll move into this one. Do you guys think that chat GPT or any other AI technologies will have a major impact on betting in the next year? So I'll kick this one off. Um, definitely. There's a lot of value that's going to come from AI. There's probably a lot of scary stuff that's going to come as well. You know, no, don't know exactly how I feel on it right now. Um, at this exact time, I don't see any impact especially not within the next year um, for betting. I think the AI tools that are out right now, they're, they're cool and they're neat, but a lot of times like the, they only work well if you're already like a specific domain expert in that thing. Cause you can actually kind of like bingo weed out inaccuracies the way chat GPT specifically is built from what I understand it. And it's definitely not my area of expertise is like, you know, it kind of just, takes what it predicts the next word to be and then builds the information and formulates a sentence and everything based on that. It's awesome for like, you know, writing and storytelling and anything that might actually be considered fiction. But when it comes to nonfiction, actually like going through data, it's a lot of inaccuracies and um, multiple people on Twitter have actually done threads on this and mentioned it. One person from the gambling community uh, is uh, Harry, Harry Crane. (laughs) Yeah. So he's mentioned like, if you don't know the stuff with it, it's actually quite dangerous to think of that as fact. So as it's related to information, like I'll share, we did a 
We did a little test before, beforehand. Yeah. So we asked it, who is Rob Pizzola? We asked ChatGPT who is Rob. So Pizzola. let's 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 read the response. Yeah. Well, well, I'll read it out loud here. So first paragraph, Rob Pizzola is a well-known sports analyst and professional sports better. He has gained recognition for his expertise in sports betting and predictive analytics and has been featured in various media outlets such as ESPN, the New York Times, and the Wall Street Journal. As of right now, accurate. All of that is accurate. All of that is accurate. And to be honest, that's actually a quite a, a very fair description of you to somebody who doesn't know you and may be looking at who is Rob Pizzola, right? And if you do know Rob or you listen to his podcast, you're like, yeah, that checks out. So now next. Okay. Pizzola has worked as a consultant for professional sports teams and has also developed predictive models for several online sports betting platforms. So this, here's where we get off the rails a little. This is actually true. But I don't know how this could possibly know that I have consulted for a professional sports team. I just made it up. I, honestly, it's just, I think this is just like luck of the draw correct. But it also says you've developed models for... Develop predictive models for several online sports betting platforms. That doesn't, that's it's not, not true. It's, it's not accurate. All right. And then it gets into, here's where we go. Okay. So, so right now at this point, if you're someone who doesn't know Rob, you're like, oh yeah, makes sense. He consults for teams and he built models for these things. And that, and whether you deem that to be accurate or not, whatever that's, it checks out. It's within realm. All right. Now we get off the rails. He is the founder and CEO of Sports Cheetah. <laughs> A sports betting analytics know. firm that provides data-driven insights and predictive an analysis to its clients. So for those who don't know, Sports Cheetah is Preston Johnson's Twitter handle. Our good pal friend? Preston, friend of, the, friend of the pod, has been on the podcast in an earlier episode. It is Sports Cheetah. Is no, that's nothing. That no. is that is. Nothing. I'm not the founder or the CEO of Sports Cheetah because Sports Cheetah is a person's alias. It's not a company. It's not a betting analytics firm that provides data-driven insights. I'll tell you that. But given the first two things that Rob read, you would actually lead that to be accurate. Yes. If you didn't know. Yeah. If you, didn't if you know, had no idea. If you, if you had no idea about Rob, you and even people who listen to this podcast, I'm sure if you read that, you'd be like, oh, that, okay, yeah, he, was, he did this thing. All right, keep going. In addition to his work in the sports industry, Pizzola is also known for his philanthropic efforts. He is the founder of the Bet on a Cure initiative, which raises funds for cancer research through sports betting. None of, okay, here's what I will say. I'm not going to like, not going to pat myself on the back. I'm not like this, you know, philanthropic effort. That efforts. doesn't exist, by the way. That doesn't exist. Look, bet it on doesn't a cure do that, initiative, I don't exist. do, like, that's not me. I have personally raised money for diabetes research before. For those who followed my content prior to founding the Hammer Betting Network, I used to do Sunday morning videos and as part of that, I would ask for donations for diabetes research. I don't have a bet on a cure initiative. I don't raise money. Nor for does cancer. that even exist. It doesn't even exist. There is bet on a cure casino night that happened one one time. Okay. Uh, and I would also say... Wait, 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 wait. Johnny, is bet on a cure casino night the scene from The Office? Is that what that is? Oh, it might be. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly I, what you're I talking about. Okay. Show, anyway, but. sorry, sorry. Continue. No, um, it says Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. Okay, never mind. Which anyway. honestly, chat GPT wasn't <laughs> even connected to the, to this data. So it just, it's it's made up. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, it might be made up. It might be made and up. And listen, uh, again, th this is me patting myself on the, I, I, I have 
multiple, you know, I sponsor some, some children at world vision, which I've done for going on a decade. Now I've seen them grow up like to actually go to college. It's, it's honestly pretty cool. I donate to sick kids. I like, there's a part of me that's always going to give back to the community. This is not a ton of my net worth. It's a very small amount, but I would say I am definitely not known for my philanthropic efforts. Like this entirety of this paragraph is wrong. So it starts very accurate and just goes off the rails. And if we're going to apply this to sports betting, I'm going to tell everyone out there, I've gone down the AI rabbit hole for the last month or so. Zach can attest to this. I've sent him like some messages in the middle of the night. He probably wakes up to, he's like, Rob's going nuts. Like, this is crazy. But AI can really help in some ways. I've never used Photoshop in my entire life. I do not have a like creative artistic bone in my entire body. I'm like the type, I'm the guy in Pictionary that I'm embarrassed to draw pictures, like basic pictures. I can't create anything. I can create a YouTube thumbnail for any video I do in about 10 seconds using AI. And I can literally just type what I want to be in that thumbnail. And, it, and it's done. Like that is a huge time-saving service and a skill I will never acquire. Where we get into danger territory. You ask ChatGPT questions about betting, likely what you're going to get filtered to you. And I don't, listen, I'm not saying I know exactly how ChatGPT is built, how it works, how, I'm not, I'm not suggesting I know exactly how it work, works, but I've tried this a lot. And what you're going to get filtered is stuff that is often horseshit. And the only way you know it's horseshit is, as Johnny said, if you are a domain expert. Because sometimes I can ask, I can ask ChatGPT a question about like, can I win betting with reverse line movement? And it's going to pull up a bunch of stuff about reverse line movement. What the fuck are you pulling up, bro? Yeah, it was Zach, what is this on the screen? This is what AI created as well. Like, this is what I'm saying. Oh. This is the Pope <laughs> in GQ wearing a puffer jacket. I was like, what the? I'm like, I, I was wondering where this was going. I'm like, what is Zach talking what about? What is he talking about? Sorry. We could, but it's crazy. Like, myself. the Donald Trump running away from the feds that, that got posted, like, a couple weeks ago. Like, it's a fake picture. It looked very real. Like, there's dangers to this type of technology. And in the sports betting space, holy jeez, is some of this stuff... I, did I say what I use? Horseshit? Yeah. Yeah. It is, a lot of it is horseshit. And it's scary because I use this for other stuff as well. If I, wa if I wanted to, bad example. I know how to change a tire on a car, but if I didn't and I typed the chat GPT, how do I change a tire on the car or whatever? It's probably going to scour the internet and put together something based off of all the higher ranking search results and whatever. In the sports betting space, the higher ranking search results are mostly just created for SEO purposes. And the, it's, it's a very weird industry because this was one of the questions that came in. Like, what percentage of bettors do you think win? I think less than 2% of bettors win over time. I might be, like, might be even less than that. But you have so many people working in the space who are quote unquote experts in the space producing content in the space that don't win. And I don't, like, again, I've said this before. I don't care if people don't win as long as they're transparent about it. But 
all this content that's being produced, page one of Google, page two of Google, look at the biggest sports betting channels on YouTube. I get like some, the professor's picks, like filtered to my YouTube stream now. This guy that's like a university prof- professor, like it's, it's all crap. And this is likely what the AI technology is being built on. So it reminds me of early Wikipedia. If that's, people remember that. Anyone could just go on Wikipedia and type whatever they wanted. And people were like citing, I was citing it in my like university papers and stuff like that. And profs are like, no, no, you can't cite Wikipedia. And I was like, why not? It's, you know, it's an internet source. And they're like, no. Oh, remember you couldn't cite Wikipedia? Couldn't cite Wikipedia. Holy, yeah, you had to put like seven citations in and <laughs> couldn't use Wikipedia back in the day. Horrible, horrible. But, that, but this, is, this is the danger of AI. As of right now, I'd say this. If you ask it, hey, how do I beat the sports betting market? Yeah, that's not going to work. Also, if you ask it, hey, how do I make money options trading or something like that that I also don't know, you're not going to get good advice. If you say, hey, write me a poem that's this, it's probably going to be pretty good. And there you go. That's where it's at right now. I'm not saying it's not going to get there. It, you know, almost certainly will will get there. But um, as of right now, yeah, be careful about doing things like that and then thinking that it's going to make an impact. It would probably be the equivalent of reading the first article on Google about how to win a million dollars betting sports. But, but it's, it's scary. Which like, is not going to see the thing is like, we can at me and you can ask a question to chat GPT. And I don't mean this but, to come across. If you ask arrogant. it, Hey, how do I change my tire on my car? Also, you don't know if that's right or wrong. I agree so, with so you. So that's also not like chat GPT can't be used for informational stuff. Use YouTube. You know why? Because you can actually then look and see that person has credibility and then you can trust that person based on the channel, based on the comments, based on the, the subscribers, the ratings, reviews. That's still a slippery slope, But man. it's not because you can actually see. Now, again, yes, there could be fake ratings, fake reviews, but you can go on and just look that look at that and be like, oh, this seems like, based on my human brain, this looks accurate. It checks, so, it so, passes the, the test. Well, it's dependent on when what you're you go doing. To, when you go to yes. ChatGPT, if you just type anything, there is nothing you can reference that says if yeah. what part of that is accurate. And essentially, my argument, kind of the whole thing is, if it's 75% accurate and 25% inaccurate, yeah. but you have no way as a human to know which is which, then that is essentially worth zero. It's not worth 75%, it's worth zero. You can never use it. So it's going to get there. And I think the, the, the actual company itself doesn't expect that it's to be used like this currently in its current form, but eventually it will be. The only thing I'll push back on it. We remember we did that episode where we watched the guy break down his basketball live betting, live betting strategy. That's a clear example. Go read the comments on that page. Like people are enamored with this. They think this is like a gold mine that they just hit. That guy has tons of subscribers. Like, this is what I'm talking yeah, about. Fair enough. Can't so trust anything. You can't really trust anything. And I mean, that's obviously like, we broke that down. We'll put the link in the description below as a, a horrible strategy. Now, I don't mean to shit on AI altogether. I think this is, again, I think there's lots of applications. There's a, a guy on Twitter that goes by Waco's Wagers. Um, I found out about him through Andrew Mack, Ginge Face Killer, Ginge Face Killer. But he's building out a model using, um, I don't know if it's chat GPT, but like some sort of AI technology. Um, and he's, you know, he's testing it and coming with some I mean, weird you results. you got to give it all the inputs. Of course. Do. Like it's not really that, 
beneficial. Agreed. I think it, I think people what people think is very different from the reality of the situation. Like some people think that they're just going to ask ChatGPT to find them winning bets tonight, and ChatGPT is going to do that, and they ain't going to do that. No, absolutely not. It's going to be a problem. Even to your your point and Johnny's point of saying you can review these things, on that video where we reviewed the guy talking about how he has that surefire winning strategy in the NBA, we talked about how it was wrong. Someone commented on our video that we made about his video saying we were wrong. Yep. You know what I mean? Maybe we are. We did the Simon Hunter Exposed episode. And some of the comments in there are like, you guys are nuts. Simon Hunter, I won lots of money tailing Simon Hunter's picks this year. It's like, you missed the point of the entire video. Missed, like, completely missed it. And there was a bunch of comments like that. Now, they all got downvoted, I noticed. They're all at the bottom of the thing. So, obviously, our our following is taking over. But there is, this is a, you know, we're, we're going to, if it was a battle of me and Johnny against the masses, we're going to lose. Because the vast majority of people have no clue and they think that they have a clue. And I was in that boat. I, I lived this personally. I grew up through this where I was a pure wreck better. But I thought because I was like, I understood math and I watched the games that I was a, an expert in sports betting. And this is even like losing money. I'm still convincing myself that I'm an expert. Like this, I, don't, I can't explain how the human mind works, but I have people like messaging me on Twitter who are actually experts and I'm dismissing their advice 10 years ago, telling them like, no, 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 like this is the way. I, um, his name eludes me. Who did we have on with Jeff Benson? JJ Gruden. JJ Gruden. I was JJ Gruden. If we did that interview 10 years ago, this is why I don't, tr- don't want to tr- completely trash the guy or whatever. He has his beliefs. It's hard to change that mentality. I was him at some point in life. And... The, the majority of people are J.J. Gruden. So like, this is, this is where the, the, the AI stuff, when you're building answers off of stuff that is wrong, it just perpetuates this further and further. Like, I don't know how the sports industry ever gets out of this. I honestly don't know how. Because this is the stuff that wins. Like the public bet percentages, reverse line movement, all the, all the fake news garbage is the stuff that wins. Anyways, this has been a long answer for this. This guy just asked if we could win on sports betting this year. I mean, <laughs> with AI. yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very bullish on AI. It's scary for sure. Seeing some of the stuff that can happen. I'm, I'm learning more and more about it, but do I think you can just go type in a chat, like find me winners for national basketball association tonight? No, I don't. And I don't think that's happening within a year. Do you think the current NFL product is better than it was five years ago? It's hard to say because I have to remember back to what five plus years ago was. Like what has been the evolution in the NFL product since then? Five years wasn't that long ago. It's really not. Like I think this question, like what stems from it, like at the heart of this question might have a lot to do with like the officiating of the sport. Frankly, the NFL officiating has always been. It, it's not. It's not any worse now. In I my gotta, opinion, I at least. I gotta actually pull up what was so five years ago. Let's like say. we still had red zone as our as the way we were watching sports. The difference for us in Ontario was five years ago I had DFS to play in Ontario. I don't have that anymore, so that's a little bit. 
But like now I've just transitioned my DFS action to player props action and it's kind of the same thing. So I don't know. I, I don't th- I don't think it's... The, the, like think about this. Five years ago was Mahomes' first season. Yeah. When he won the MVP. That was 2018. I mean, maybe that's four, whatever. Four and a half years ago. So five, five years ago was the year that Mahomes sat on the bench and then essentially it was his first season. So from there, if you look at the actual like NFL product, fandom how it's expanded. Like, I don't necessarily think it was massive in terms of like any of the production quality or fandom. I think mainly the, the big thing is like gambling has just expanded licensed. Right. And now we get like a bunch of advertising on there, but what are that many more people betting on NFL now than five years ago? You think? I I think probably, well, it's hard to say. I would say yes, because there, there is a, a subsection of people that has been reached that was not betting before because they wouldn't bet into a gray market, black market, anything like that, right? But ultimately, like, would you not say that you just define the answer of this question using TV ratings for NFL? Well, I don't know if TV we'll, ratings are that we'll, good we'll, because like the, the sport down. fandom, yeah, the sport fandom I think has actually gone up. But, but we'll, TV like, ratings The question is like the current NFL, how do we define the current well, NFL okay, product? Okay, so here's some things I would okay, The value of the NFL has certainly gone up over the last five years. That's what I'm saying. But here's some things I would say like probably have changed in the last five years. I can't remember some of the specifics, but uh, um, adding Thursday, uh, some of the Thursday night games, um, Christmas games. The old London games. Yeah, the uh, international games. Uh, so some of those are different. Adding Christmas games 100% improves the product to the NFL overall and, and experience of a fan. I, I mean, if this is like... is By the, the way, it's not actually... They didn't actually add Christmas games. No, they it just, just happened to fall. Saturday, they just added. They just had yeah, Saturday yeah, yeah, games yeah. that now happen to fall on the Christmas weekend. Like yeah. if this is, is the NFL increasing in popularity, then the answer is yes. I, I think that's clear cut. Yes. From my own personal perspective... Okay, I sit here, I complain. Oh yeah, Jerome Boger did this, cost me this, whatever. He's out of the league. You know, he's got he's gone now. Jerome's retired. I no longer have to cross off that game off my list at the beginning of the week. But I watch as much football as ever. Like I basically tell my wife, it's like Diana, Thursday night, figure out what you're gonna do with your friends. She's like, Isn't it like Eagles Texans spreads thirteen and a half? Like, yeah, I don't give a shit. We're going to find some bets on the game and we're going to watch it. Like, do you really have to watch it? Yeah, I do. So like for me, I, I love the NFL. Like I live in, I, I'm doing a video every day on forward progress, just doing mock drafts for random for teams because I'm so passionate about the NFL. So for me, I think the product is as good as it's ever been. I mean, it's, it's, you could complain commercial. Oh, it's too many commercials. There's this, whatever. We're all watching we're all really highly invested in it. Now, a lot of it is because of betting, for sure. But I think that the like that's part of what we have to consider the NFL product. Like, the NFL's embraced this. It's part of the the entire th- entirety of the ecosystem. Right, tough question to answer. Well, relatively, I think the NHL product's gone down. Word uh, advertisements. Well, that that that's uh, like review. That adding the review takes forever now with the review. I guess, I mean, there's certain, like, five years ago, I don't know. There not enough changes. Like, obviously, there's things on a yearly basis that'll drive me nuts in the NFL. Like, remember when they added that you could review the pass interference yeah, penalty? Yeah, for one year. But they, they never fucking overturn these things? Like, the, the 
could literally be assaulting a person on the field and they're just going to stick with the ref's call. Like that to me was, that's a really shitty thing in the product. Like why even allow this to happen? F extreme frustration. They got rid of it. Do I think there's ways they can make it better? Sure. I don't know. I think it's fucking solid though, man. I, I love the Great NFL. sport. Great yeah. sport. The it's best great, to bet on. The great, best league. So Rob, what are your thoughts on betting exchanges for major markets with high liquidity, particularly those that have low house fee, 1% to 2% hold? Uh, okay, loaded question. Get your thoughts too. Um, I love the idea of exchanges. In theory, we preach this all the time. It's why we promote Pinnacle as one of the sports books that you definitely should have in your portfolio if you're in Ontario, lower VIG option. Same thing with exchanges, right? Cut out VIG. You often will find the best price at an exchange. Issue I see with current betting exchanges is just major markets. I mean, this is a question. What are your thoughts on betting exchanges for major markets with high liquidity? Fine. I like that idea. It's great. But who's like, you're never going to get the average better. That's going to go over to a betting exchange just to bet a bunch of major markets. Like they can't same game parlay. They can't do this. They can't do that. It's not the same experience as elsewhere. So the print, the idea of a betting exchange is great for pro bettors where it's like, okay, we can get down. I, I mean, assuming that there is actually is high liquidity on the exchange, the idea and principle is great for someone who's getting down a lot. It's horrible for a casual. It's, it's fair. I'll say that it's very fair. The fact that you don't get limited and all that stuff, like it's very, very fair. And I do think everyone needs to have the exchange outs if you're in a regulated state that has that. Do I think that's going to become the number one book in America? Definitely not. But like the way betting works nowadays is no one uses just one book anyways. It would be quite dumb to just use one book. You should probably use, you know, if you're serious about betting, five plus. If you're even just a casual guy or girl who wants to bet, a couple bucks, you should probably still have money in three. If one of your, if you're the serious better who is betting at five, then yeah, I would consider putting an exchange in one. But at the end of the day, there has to be like, if, if one takes off and then becomes like massive and then starts getting prop seated and like you can do parlays and you can do all this stuff, then boy, that would be phenomenal. Uh, but I think we're a ways away from that. And I hope we get there, but I'm not super bullish on like, an exchange becoming the number one book in America or Canada. I think they can get, they can survive for a bit, but, um, and, and potentially one takes over, but I'm not super bullish on it becoming like the number one. Not unless they can offer the same like markets as all of the other recreational books in the space. Like in principle, right? could be great but the but it, it's it's all in principle it's all theoretical like find someone who's gonna seed these exchanges with all these prop markets where they can get picked off at any time like it's i love the idea i just don't think that there's it's executable i hope someone proves me wrong again i love the model yeah and if you're in new jersey check out profit exchange it's it's a good UI, nice, nice sports book. Um, as Rob mentioned, like they don't have all the markets. They only have the major stuff. But it, you know, if you're betting MLB, check it out. See if it's uh, see if it's for you. And of course, as always, you can head over to betstamp.app slash circles off. If you do want to sign up through any sports books, we're not pushing you to do it. But if you want to support the show, sign up through sport to sports books through betstamp.app. 
slash circles off. The link is in the description below. Yep. Got the links to profit exchange up there. If you're in Colorado, there's the SBK exchange and, uh, you know, might have a, a few more launching soon, uh, over the next little while, which we, uh, which we're pretty fired up about. If you ever needed a little push to go and sign up for new sports books or have more than one this morning, when we were doing the edge work show, Calgary flames playing tonight against, uh, uh, Arizona or Chicago, excuse me. And uh, Calgary on majority of books was minus 400. One book was sitting at minus 550. Ooh. If you're sitting there with only minus 550, I mean. You're, you're paying a lot more for that loss. <laughs> yeah. uh, or you're not winning as much on the win. Um, you, you Something that Zach does, it, it shouldn't drive me crazy as a Canadian because Canadians do say the word this way. But when I first started doing a lot of media hits, US radio, some TV stuff in the US, I had to get a speech coach because you can probably still tell that I'm Canadian even if you didn't know from watching. But the biggest thing that I used to get feedback on was against. Against the spread. Did I say that? You, that's how you naturally say it because that's how Canadians say I it. Say? You say against as well because that's how you were brought up to say it. But Americans... Against. Say against. And I now always say against because I've been coached to say it that way. Anytime I hear against, it just, it, I don't know why, it triggers me. I'm, I'm, I got like the American speech in me now. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Americans also say, ah. <laughs> I mean, we say, we say, <laughs> what a, a. What was that? Ah. Sound like a duck <laughs> more than saying, anything. Pardon? Pardon. Ah. Ah. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question. <laughs> For today's episode. So last question for today's. And um, I can assure you, if your question wasn't asked, um, you know, likely it was not skipped. Likely what happened is it's going to be answered in next week's part two episode. So if you're still looking forward, we have a ton more questions. We are going to answer, you know, just how, how many pro gamblers are there in the United States? That's about to get answered in next week. I'm episode. sure we're going to be extremely accurate with our projection as well. Yeah, and you could we'll ask be, Chat GPT on that. We're going to well. be bang on with with our projection there. It's we've like got the we've Peter got some Jennings. other we've got some other bangers bangers here. Uh, we also, by the way, I'm I'm just going to be authentic and real with the audience here. Some of these questions were absolute trash this week, which we just had to cut out. So I don't want to give false expectations. But if you like, you know, if, if you're you just a real one, we're if gonna you ask it. a real question, we're going to get to it. Like if you're asking a really stupid question to get a rise out of us, it, we're probably going to skip it. So, I mean, you can waste your breath in further weeks. That's fine. But uh, yeah, because it's a slippery slope. You answer one of those questions. Man, then they just, know. they start rolling in like nuts and we can't, we can't go down that path. So we've got what percentage of betters win long-term we have, we're going to talk about signals to help figure out when you kind of lost your edge signals to figure out when a market is being manipulated. Uh, we are going to talk about a very interesting one. What is the public side tax? The old, uh, I saw that question. I'll speak more to it there. next week as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah ton of questions coming last week but to close it off for today what we have is an absolute doozy which is this <laughs> absolute doozy okay if you were in plus ev analytics shoes how would you have handled the caesar's situation okay so there's going to be a segment of people that are watching or listening that don't know what what this is so you want to give like a little quick go ahead briefer okay uh, we've talked about this on Circles Off before, but for people that don't know, 
Long story short, I'm not going to get into a five-minute diatribe here, but essentially, Plus EV Analytics, who has sat in Johnny's seat before for a Q&A episode at one point on Circles Off, uh, is suing Caesar Sportsbook um, for essentially bets that he feels were unfairly ruled on. And we're in the province of Ontario. He went to iGaming Ontario, the regulatory body, to complain. iGaming Ontario ruled in favor of Caesars. I think that this is absolutely a moronic ruling. Don't even get me started. But he has gone and now taken Caesars to court. I think the total amount is like 6000 bucks. Do you remember it offhand? I don't, but yeah. it's 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 what some people would consider an amount that they wouldn't sue for. Let's put it that way, that it's more than a hassle. So it's definitely a matter of principle for him. It, it is. So the question is what would I have done if I were in Plus EV's shoes? I would have done nothing. I would have sat and I would have stewed because I have a different, like I get the matter of principle. I honestly- But wait, this scenario we didn't even explain is he, he bet a bunch of futures bets to start the NFL season. They were must play 18 games- for action, if they don't play 18 games, there's no action. Obviously, Buffalo, Cincinnati voided that ticket or should have voided that ticket given that that game was no action. Meaning anything for a future on Buffalo or Cincinnati would have been absolutely no action stated right there in the ticket. What they did, which I think really pissed our buddy off here, <laughs> is he had exactly 13 wins and exactly 12 wins. They graded one of them as a push, which technically had a good chance of winning. And then the other one, they graded as a loss. Yep. And really that, as per the rules, should have been a push. And because of that, what happens is you can kind of infer that what the sportsbook did in this situation is anyone that basically would have won their bet or had a chance to win had their bet voided. And then anyone who had, you know, Bengals exactly perfect season or four wins was still slapped with a loss, meaning they just took a massive profit on the Bills and Bengals futures tickets I, I i'm honestly still in awe that they that iGaming ruled in favor of the sport. but did they even really understand the scenario that's, that's what, what i want to know this is this is the biggest frustration right the regulators are supposed to be acting like keeping sports books in line having the best interest of the betters at heart and maybe they do and they just don't understand the situation all that well but it's it's mind-boggling and Listen, I'm going to defend Plus EV. I think what he's doing is very noble. There's people out there that are like, oh, Plus EV, what a peasant. Like, he's barely betting any money on this stuff. Okay, first and foremost, the guy's spreading his, all the money around across all the regulated books. It's not like this is every single future that he played. He played a bunch of money on futures. I know the guy personally. Like, we can stop with, uh, oh, he's betting, like, nickels and dimes on, on stuff. Like, he's, he's got decent-sized bets. Whatever. Besides the point. The matter of principle, I get it. I would have blew a gasket if this happened to me. Would I have taken Caesars to court? In all likelihood, no. Would I have put them on notice on Twitter and whatever other means I have of social media? Absolutely. But for me, what I would stand to get out of it is just not worth the amount of time I'd have to invest in fighting a legal battle for this. It's a different story for me if it's like 60K instead of six. Well, 60, I think a lot of people would have of pursued course. some additional action. But I'm not plus EV analytics. 
It's important to know that. He's allowed to make his own decisions and do whatever he wants to do. And frankly, if it is a matter... it, it Honestly, I know Plus EV. I know where he has a golfing membership. I know where he lives. Frankly, I know what he makes at his personal day job. Guy's doing more than fine. It ain't a matter of the money, okay? So for him to do that as a matter of principle, I think, it, honestly... It's noble. I, I really do. And, and maybe it gets nowhere, but I, I respect the hell out of the guy for that. I honestly do. Because he's not doing it, like he's not doing it to grow his social following or to be like the guy that's doing it. He's doing it for a larger cause. Yeah, also like anyone who actually understands the situation would, I think, should agree that he was wronged in this scenario and he was treated unfairly. And the regulators, obviously, who are designed to protect that, were not able to protect him. But in this scenario, if you're going to ask me what would I have done, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. I, I can't tell unless I was actually faced with this situation. If I did, like, I, I would be very upset if that happened to me. What, do you, what do you value the most in your life right now? Like, I, I'll tell you for me. What is it, the time? Time. Yeah, I, I mean, do I, not have enough time to do everything that I want to do. Running the hammer is a lot of work. Recording content's a lot of work. But on top of that, I want to be able to live my... Like, I want to golf in the summer, right? Now, you know, I'm going to simulators or whatever. I have stuff I want to do. I want to even play video games in, in my spare time. And the show comes out. I want to, like, time. So for this, this is just like a time suck. It's, it's a principle. It's a, it's a principled I, I, matter. But but again, to, to bring it back, the question is, is you. How would you handle it? For me, uh, it's, yeah, I get the principle. I'd love to fight the war for other people. I've done that many times before. People go after their ex-wives and ex-husbands sure. all the time just to out of principle. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I hope it doesn't. I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I um probably more in, the, in the, the same boat as you, but at the same time, like, man, is that frustrating to well, have to deal with. I have a question for you guys because you brought it up. You're not, we're not really sure. I feel like maybe some other people might have a similar question, but... This is pure speculation on both your behalf, what the answers that you'll give here, because there's no way to truly know. But in the same sense that like Gary Batman operates for the NHL and Roger Goodell operates for the NFL, where they are um, essentially representing the owners, like they they act on behalf of the owners. Do you feel like there could be an element of the iGaming, and that's more specific to here, but like same. It, it could be any US. regulatory yeah. body across any U.S. state. Do you think that it could? They could be potentially operating in that capacity in t for the sports books themselves in those states and in the provinces. It's possible. This is where you get into like a slippery slope because these sports books are providing tax revenue in the states and provinces that they're operating in. So it's like it's possible i'm i'm not i don't want to make that accusation i actually don't think that that's what's happening here i honestly yeah. don't think that that's what's happening here i think you get you know do you think he'll win his case i think he'll win his case right. I, and if he doesn't it's honestly the saddest if he does not this is clear <laughs> he doesn't win this case on, honestly it's so upset. He, he is so clearly in the right like by the terms and conditions, yeah, he's not trying to like pull a fast this one, is, take advantage of a thing. Like that's not what this is. If he does not win that case, it, it's the it's one of the the saddest things I've seen in sports betting because it could have it was him, but it could have easily been somebody else. Where that six thousand dollars matters a whole lot to them, and or or just whatever. And 
I, I don't want to. Also, six thousand. We we're making it off to seem like it's nothing. Like yeah, 6, apologies if it all, comes across that way. No, but, yeah. it's it's absolutely six thousand is a ton of money. And to be honest, like people have gone at pursued stuff for much much less than six thousand. And um, yeah, for most people, for the majority of people betting, a difference of a six thousand dollar swing, which you should have been paid, is likely the difference between a winning season and a losing season. So, like. I, I, a matter of principle, like, you know, 6,000 is not a lot, not a little, like that's, that's very frustrating. It's also just a really, I'm not sh- talking about a 200, a hundred bucks here, 50 bucks. It's a really shitty thing for the sports book to do because someone there has to recognize that they're definitely in the wrong. Like you, like, I don't know the situation, but like, do you think that, that, and I, we're, we're going down a slippery slope here, but someone on that trading team or customer support, whatever has to realize in that the rock to let it get this far, like the reputational damage that has been caused to Caesars, in my opinion, just from plus EVs social tweeting about it and the amount of people in the space picking that up is way more than six thousand dollars. My opinion, you can feel free to disagree. Like, why would they ever let it even go that far? I don't. I don't know why they would even let it go that far. Yeah. In enough. most cases, like if this was. I'm surprised that somebody at least didn't reach out to him. As far as I, I, I know, this hasn't happened to say, even to say, you know what? We think we're in the right. You think you're in the right. We'll do $3,000. You sign an NDA. You don't rip us apart. I don't think Plus EV would have taken that. But like the fact that that didn't even happen and it's just like, no, like this is the ruling. They didn't even credit him a bet credit. It, 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 it's uh, anyways. All right, anyways. guys. Last personal question. Wait, think? Well, let's go to next week. We're, we're no, no, no. This one is this one's time sensitive here. Okay. People are listening to this. It's the first day of the Masters. It's Easter weekend. You guys are in different uh, life situations here. I think people can take away something for this from themselves. Going into Easter weekend, you're gonna have dinners, lunches with your families. But you got to balance the Masters here. The Masters is on TV. I know it's important to both of you as it is to myself. Rob, we'll start with you. You got family functions going on, but you have to deal with the masters. How do you balance being a family man, being a good guy, being around, but also enjoying the greatest golf tournament of the year? So, secretly, I'm hoping that we have a Monday finish this year. There's bad inclement weather expected on the on the weekend. So, my family, my personal family, my father, my mother, my brother, we love golf. Your personal family, as opposed to what? Oh, it's my in-laws. So okay. let, let me. So my family. They love golf. Now, when you're married, my mother wants to do Easter Sunday one year. My mother-in-law the next year says, "Ah, I, you know, we get Easter Sunday. You got to, you got to deal with that stuff." So this year, Easter Sunday's at my in-laws. If that's the final round, it's gonna be me getting up from the table a lot. I'm hoping my my Diana's uncle is there, who's also a huge golf fan, and he'll get away from. We can sit in front of the TV, but it's tough. If it's my family, Rob Rob Pizzola Senior's got the game on the TV. No no doubt. They they if if it's if Easter Sunday, it's always like early lunch. They're, they're, Masters <laughs> is going to end like around what six seven o'clock, yeah. right? The fun, so it's like okay, let's get the lunch out of the way so that once the coverage starts at three or whatever. Like we're all there and watching, and that's, you know, typical. But she's such a good tournament. Such it's it's a, so such a good honestly, tournament. Honestly, 
the sound of like Jim Nance's voice with like the harp in the background whispering. It's so soothing. Like I'll just be like half asleep on the couch and there's like an amazing shot and you wake up and you watch and you're like, Oh, so good. I love you pass out for like another 15 minutes it's it, Johnny just went there. He's a, he was on give the a master's couch. pick. Give him a master's pick. Um, I I don't want to give like one of the the favorites or anything like All that. Right, give it give a non favorite. I'm gonna be rooting. Uh, uh, I mean, I ha- I have my fit. You know, for people who don't believe me, these are locked in on my private bet stamp account, which I'll I'll click quickly flash to the screen here. Look at these numbers. How proud of you? How proud of me? Corey Connors, 75 to one to win the tournament. Well, let me, let me, let me pull up the bet stamp odds comparison tool. By the way, listen, the golf product is not the best. We don't, I'm not going to lie to you and say we get the, we got, well, it's the best out there. Cause it's not really a good golf yeah. product. It's very hard to do, but futures we took, it's very useful. I'm going to pull it open right now. Maybe Zach can even share it on the screen. Yeah. Go yeah, to the bet stamp golf futures, futures tool. This thing is great. If you want to pick your master's bets. Look at there. Go winner. Tournament winner. All right. So it's, it doesn't have every single sports book, but it's more than enough to get a nice comparison and then actually give you a, a true odds price there. As you'll see, by the way, on the left, Pinnacle Sports, official sponsor of Circles Off, has the best price on a lot of players. Like if you're betting at, for example, Barstool right now, plus 650 versus plus 756 for Rory McIlroy. It's a pretty big difference. It also, like, the Scheffler number, uh, like, m- makes a, a pretty large difference, especially, like, yeah, people don't realize that, right? Like, plus 650 to plus 756, in terms of implied probability, that's a significant it's a percentage. Amount. Yeah, plus 5,800 to plus 5,900 is not a big deal, but we're still in a good range here. So, listen. Who do you want? I'm, S- scroll down, Zach. I got I to gotta yeah. give an official pick. Who do I want as an official pick right now? This is tough. Okay, so right now I do have Brooks Kepka. Did I scroll past? Yeah, he's, he's right, right there. there. He's right there. You had a cursor on oh, yeah, Now, so. I don't think he's going to win, but I fired off a... a 7,500. 75 to 100. I want to see the book. Don't, we don't have to say it on So is that plus Yeah, you, you, know, you know what the book is. Plus okay. 4,572 yeah. right now. I fired a, a Max Homa at... Uh, Plus 6,600. It's plus 3,300 now. Oh, these are all absolute verified wagers. And I fired a Corey Connors at 75 to 1. Scroll up right there. Oh, yeah. Connors at 75 as well. Wow. Some great, great prices, win or lose. I'm going to give a Masters is underway right now, so you're going to have to live bet this if you want anything. But I'm, I'm rooting home that Hideki Matsuyama, 50 to 1 right there. 50 to 1 Hideki? Hideki. I, I have a soft spot in my heart. So people who don't know, I seriously bet golf for a couple of years. And then I got to the point where I'm like, I think I can win at golf, but I'm never going to be Rufus at golf. And that pains me to say that. I, 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 I pride myself on like doing something the best. And he has a huge head start. think he's better at modeling the sport than me. But that year, one of those years... We bet Hideki in like every tournament and it was just like this running joke of the clown, like the clown, the clown meme, right? Yeah. Like we run our model. We just for course fit, whatever we bet on Hideki with him putting on the clown mask um, or the, the hair at that point. So I have a soft spot in my heart. I actually think that's a good number 50 to one. So Hideki 
50 to 1. All right. People I'm are going to be listening to this. He's already six over in the first scroll, round. Scroll up, Zach. Okay. For my official pick, I'm going to give. I'm going to go with. <laughs> no, nothing like official master's picks. Scroll down, scroll down a little. With don't the, you don't need don't well you wouldn't even be able to tail this because it's this episode's coming out on Thursday. That's right? what I'm saying. That's nothing like this? official masters picks that you can't that, even that the tournament is already underway. Should I just right. clip this and drop it for like my night? official masters pick. Give me, give me Tony Finau plus three thousand. Tony, give me Tony Finau okay. plus three thousand. All right, and who and you got plus five thousand Hideki Hideki Finau never won a major, correct? Uh, cor- correct. I like it. This might be it. This Remember be when it, he man. broke his ankle in the... <laughs> man, that's... That, celebrating the hole-in-one, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he was celebrating that's, a hole-in-one. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, all right. This has been episode number 96. We are back next week to finish up this Q&A for episode 97. See you all next week. Like, subscribe. Thank you for all... Oh, thank you all for viewing.